We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to February. We're here. It's a new month. It's the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. Andrew Spade is here. Andrew, I love February, man. It's, you know, my birthday, which is uh, a fantastic reason to love this month. You know, I know you know that, but this is the biggest deal of the month. I'm, I'm just kidding. We actually had our firstborn was born um, early February. So I always love this month. Uh, these days especially because we get to start the month with my my son's birthday end it with mine then my mom is uh the day after on march 1st and our also our our dog that we got a year ago is a march 1st birthday duke and i know that you just got in the dog market which i know you're really excited about i'm in the i'm back in the dog game yeah it's been a few years uh but there is a dog in the house tonight uh for the first time in a while so um He's, he's where, got a, where my dog's at exactly Oof. he's got a I, and he did a little bit of barking earlier um he's he's a guard dog type and so i'm looking got, at your cat but right behind you just <laughs> eyeing him from an angle like he's telling him i have the higher ground yeah the yeah the cat is the cat is up high the cat has got the the high ground uh but but yeah the the new dog has got a good bark on him and so uh by the fall i will have taught him to bark on command for the podcast so we can get some barks going before brown's games yeah, you're gonna you're gonna name them like something Browns related. You know, people who started naming dogs Baker, right? All those years ago. Yeah, probably I was not thinking Baker. maybe you could pick something really random, like you could name them like Juravicious or something <laughs> like that. Just what, yeah. what do you think? Like like just random, like Miles Austin. You could just name him Miles. <laughs> then you have Miles Garrett, random Miles Austin. I, mean, I don't know. I'm th- the, the the possibilities here. Yeah. Really yeah, I, well, you know what? Go. I mean, let's let's just we're, we're doing a mailbag tonight. We might as well just open up the floodgates, and if people want to hit me up with uh, on Twitter with su- dog name suggestions, I'm all ears. I would imagine a lot of dogs around the turn of the century were named Kozar. That they, yeah, they, they were getting a little older. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Cleveland rate of dogs named Bernie or Kozar mm-hmm. around that time. So we yeah. need help. It would um, really date when I adopted him if it, his name was joe or flacco it, it would be that would it would put be a timely. real pin in it it would I, I feel like that would be one that you could really like nail the the exact 
kind of frame of time. It's seven years ago, you know, at this point you're, you're, you're out there. It's, it's, it's later. And you're like, why'd you name your dog Flacco? Oh, the playoff run. That's right. right. Yeah. You know? There was six weeks where it seemed like that was the most important thing going on. Yeah. So I decided to name my dog forever mm-hmm. that, that name. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, well, we'll take name suggestions. See yeah, what you well, got. Might as well. We got uh, a little bit of uh, you know pushback on our World War II conversation yesterday. Trying our best out here just to drive some some different thinking. You know, I didn't know we were gonna uh, you know push the America First out. You know, yeah, just, just, just you got to support the troops, Jake. We, we do. We're troops. pro troops here. Yeah. Just saying, could we? Could we? You know, every he's going you know, back, folks. He's going back we, for more. Can we? Do we dial the ratio of new content? Per World War II down a little bit. That's no, all I'm saying. I don't think so. Apparently not. Apparently we're working in the other direction for that. So I will just take this uh, this loss the same way Ken Carmen has accepted his loss for a recommendation of a third place game. And I, I like that I, idea. I do too, but yep. I don't think it would go very well. I don't think $50,000 is enough for some of these guys coming off the worst loss of their life to care. Well, yeah, you'd have to probably allow some opt-outs. You would have to, or make it to, like it have to get spicier. Two hundred thousand dollars for the winning team, something like that. Guys would maybe care a little bit more. So, you know, we all have ideas. Some work, some don't. You throw them out into the world, they get thrown back at you. I can take the loss on World War II. uh, You know, content ratio, whatever. I'll handle it. Get past it. Just would like some different stuff. See what we can do. All right. Next, we're going to talk about Baltimore Ravens are are getting just just robbed in broad daylight. They're losing people left and right. We went over yesterday's show, uh, their um, general manager uh, situation. So the director of player personnel heading over to Baltimore, their director of pro and college scouting heading to Baltimore, right? Um, Joe Hortiz, is that right? Did we get that right? I always got to make sure I got that one right. I think that's right. I, I, I have not checked the pronunciation, but I'm going to assume, boldly assume that I know that that's how it's pronounced. Well, we talked yesterday about Mike McDonald being on the cusp of taking the Seattle job. He takes that job, so he's officially done. And then the guy that uh, I believe the Browns interviewed Denard Wilson too. Am I am I wrong on that? I'm almost positive. No, that's correct. In, yeah, in the Schwartz run, they interviewed Denard Wilson, so he is going to Tennessee to join um, Brian Callahan's staff. So the defensive backs coach and defensive coordinator, and then their director of player. Uh, personnel and scouting is gone as well. And that's, you know, Baltimore will figure it out because their track record says they just figure this stuff out. But those are big hits, man. Those are, those are big hits to what was their identity this year. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, it couldn't happen to a better organization. I'm excited for them to face some, this adversity. And uh, I, you know, I, <laughs> they have a real knack for overcoming it. So I'm sure it'll be fine. But I, I do, I do like seeing this happen to them because it, it does feel we, we talked about this yesterday, like <laughs> the path to the AFC North is never going to be clear, right? There's, there's not, not enough Ravens can get hired away to other jobs to make them a bad football team, but mm-hmm. it is nice to see other teams dealing with adversity. I will say given the choice between being where the Browns are, which is tinkering with their staff and being where the Ravens are getting staff hired away, I'd rather be where the Ravens are, even absent the AFC Championship game. Just the idea that other teams are really excited to have your people in their building, I, I think is it's a testament to where Baltimore is, unfortunately. 
So I wanted to ask you this question off the top of your head. I, I find this to be a fascinating one for the two teams that we have agreed that just won't go away. Like that's the point of yesterday, which I think we laid out quite well, which is you can't wait for the Steelers and Ravens to fall off and say that they're going to be bad for a stretch. They're just going to be hanging around. They're like zombies lying there ready to ready to activate. So the highest pick for Baltimore since let's say 2001, who's the highest selection that they made? Do you, you I'll give you a th- couple guesses on this. So, uh, they have uh, had a couple years, three years of no pick in the first round. But I like kind of covering since 01 who their highest selection has been because it gives you a glance into what the records at their worst have yeah. been. I, I know they've been in the top 10 once or twice. Uh, I do not remember who that player was. The, the, the name that's stuck in my head is Ronnie Stanley. So I'm going to say Ronnie Stanley. You are right. So it's Ronnie Stanley was the sixth pick in 2016, nice. which means their 2015 record, I think, was like four and 12. You might have to spot check me on that. Maybe pull up a yeah. list of theirs. Was that an injury season maybe for old I Joey feel like Flex? It, I think it might have been. So there are other selections that have been near the top since 01. In 02, they picked Ed Reed at 24. That, I think, worked out okay. Yeah, um, nice, nice choice. Terrell Suggs was picked 10th. Um, Haloti Nada picked 12th in 2006 then cj mosley picked 17th in 2014 ronnie stanley and marlon humphrey were their selections in 16 and 17 those were picked 6 and 16 since then their highest selection has been pick 14 kyle hamilton when they had a couple first round picks they don't like these guys have been good for 20 years they don't they don't pick high that's yeah. not there five, is no run five and eleven in uh 2015 um Started out the season two and six, three and seven with Joe Flacco, and then he got hurt. And it was two games of Matt Schaub, two games of Jimmy Clausen, and two games of Ryan Mallett. All right, here we go. Pittsburgh, okay? Since 2000, we'll say starting in 2001, they took Plaxico Burris eighth in 2000. Mm -hmm. It's a blast from the past, no pun intended. Yeah. What's their highest selection been? I feel like it's got to be Roethlisberger. Yeah, he was pick 11, though, in 2004. So it wasn't even a top 10 pick, yeah. unless they traded back, and I don't know. But I don't think so. So that's pick yeah. 11 for Roethlisberger. Since Roethlisberger, here's their pick number. 30, 25, 15, 23, 32, 18, 31, 24, 17, and 15, and 13 in 2013, 2014. And then their last most, I guess their most recent high selection was Devin Bush at pick 10 in 2019. But they traded up for that one, if I recall. So that wasn't even That's sort of yeah. where they were. Yep. So they picked Broderick Jones at 14th this, this last year. Mm-hmm. These are two teams that don't draft high. They don't. Yep. They just don't. So, you know, the Bengals we can go through. They've had those runs of number one picks over the course of, like, the Carson Palmer era all the way to uh, to Burrow. But, like, yeah, the path to winning the AFC North is not waiting it out. It is you just have to be – you got to beat them. You got to find ways to beat them, right? So uh, I just thought that would be an interesting – angle to think through because it's an annoying division you you could track almost every division this is something that we should do andrew track every nfl division and look at periods at which teams inside of those divisions have had down runs i i mean has there been yeah off the top of your head new england would be but Mm -hmm. this is kind of ending right now yeah there are not many teams 
like divisions with multiple teams. And you, you still have to respect Cincinnati over this 20 year run. Like it's kind of, it's kind of nuts. It's, it's really crazy to stretch it out. And I wonder again, this is a bigger study. Somebody could do if you stretch this 20 year run out from like 2001, 2002 era to, to here and say, has there ever been a better stretch of three teams inside a division staying consistently good? Right. And I think the part of it is also to blame for why the Browns have struggled so much because there were years have been years are continue to be years when all of the other three teams are, are playoff teams are, are Correct. nine, 10 win teams. And so, as I said yesterday, you, you don't, the, the Browns, any team in the AFC North is never going to win the AFC North by default. You're going to have to take it from the teams ahead of you. And so yeah. that we know that, going forward that's how it is but i yeah i think that that is a big part of there were some teams i think there were some browns teams that would have been you think about that 2014 team that's a playoff team if they're in a different division i think because they could limp their way they could pull a tampa bay buccaneers from this year and get to nine and seven or whatever and get into the playoffs but when you're in the afc north there's no free games and and eventually it catches up with you same thing with 07 you know they win a couple more games in that run. So I, you know, I, we all know this, but I just think it's like, uh, when you sit back and think about it, I I really think that would be a fascinating study to look at the, the run of the AFC North for 20 years. And just, does that compare to any other division where as I'm watching Andrew's cat, just climb all over him, like a scratch pad, just, just clinging to him. Um, is there any other division that's had two teams that consistently good for that long? And the Bengals kind of as the third throw in who had real runs at winning that division and playoff runs and stuff like that too. So I don't know. It's crazy to think about what the Browns are up against. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can look others. it up while we, while we're rolling here. Okay. See if I can do this live. So to speak. That's why they pay him the big bucks folks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go Game Time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, so you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that Game Time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we're going to switch over to the mailbag. I mean, we have a pretty good number of questions here, not the usual ridiculously high volume, and that's okay. Got Got the tweet out a little bit late. But we do want to go through these. So we're going to start with Matthew Steinbrink's question on um, uh, Deshaun Watson here, I believe. So uh, ready for this one. It says, we all know Watson has to protect himself better. But is that something that can be learned or developed? Or is it more of a feel and instinct thing? He said, like, I don't believe you can teach a point guard or quarterback to see a pass. On that topic, is it just me or does Dorian Thompson Robinson seem like the smallest 61205 human I've ever seen. Wouldn't Brissett make a lot more sense for both sides this coming year? He's going to be 29. He's yet to figure it out. There we go. There's a lot to unpack there. I will say from the from the DTR standpoint uh question there about him being the smallest 61205 human. I have also thought that he looks incredibly thin like his I don't know, just like the, the 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 body in general on him is is not it's not very wide. Um, I've thought that a couple times. He doesn't seem like a very uh, I don't know, like the frame. Andrew is probably the way to say it, right? He has a narrow frame. He's very slight, yes. And uh, what I <laughs> went back to yesterday, I watch. I, I'm sure you didn't see this, but George Kittle was at, and I think some other 49ers were at the the uh, Warriors game, and Steph Curry after the game went up to Kittle and kind of dapped him up and stuff. He's bigger than George Kittle and like not just bigger as in he's like an inch taller he looks bigger than George Kittle and I'm like you don't your mind doesn't think that you would think Kittle would tower over Steph Curry but that's not that's not how it works so like that that you know the question of him being small um DTR wise is like you know the frame of reference I have for for football players is like 
you think of them as compared to other athletes. And uh, I find, I just found it really funny to think that, Oh, Steph Curry could be an NFL tight end, you know, or like a, like an, an, a bigger slot receiver or something like that. It's kind of fascinating to think about because you wouldn't view him that way. So the comparison between basketball players, which are massive and football players is, uh, is one that's always kind of been an interesting thing to me. So unpacking the question from the start though, which is Watson protect himself better. I, I don't, Andrew, I don't know, man. Like, it, can he learn that? I don't know how you could take the hits you take and not learn that. Like, why would you want to keep doing that? All you have to do is not run into a linebacker who's right in front of you. You have to slide. Are there times at which you want to get aggressive, a third and short or something? Sure. But he is, I, <laughs> let me put it this way. I think it should be a, a simple thing for him to start doing, protecting his body more you know, by virtue of not putting himself in volatile situations, but also making the decision himself to protect his body, right? Some you can avoid, some you can put yourself in chaos, and some you just take a hit. Like, I think he he has to, I've sort of said this off and on for the last year now, and it's been a little bit more under the microscope since he went through two different shoulder injuries. His ability to protect himself will define the rest of his career he will continue to get beat up and hurt and he'll be out of the league in the next three years if he can't stop taking these hits that he is generating. So can it be learned? I have to believe yes, but we also have no evidence from him, Andrew, that it is going to be something he does because we've not seen him change that. Uh, I, I would say, and even Amari Cooper said it after the Cardinals game, it's 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 a dangerous brand of football is what he plays all around there is no way around that i think and i think the the conversation that we've had a little bit with this is that there has not been a feeling we have not either of us gotten the feeling from watching watson the way he conducts himself off the field since he's been in cleveland that would lead you to believe that he is interested in making those sorts of adjustments one of the things that I think is worth watching with the new offensive coordinator, as I said before, does a different personality type, a guy that maybe can can push Watson in the ego department a little bit, does that have an impact on his ability to, to change the way that he plays and see the wisdom of somebody else arguing for it? I, I think it's an open question. But there's no, there's no doubt. The way you framed it is the correct way of framing it. The, his decision to change that, whenever that comes, is necessary for him to continue to play football long term. It's, it's, it is as stark as that, because you, th- th- this year is all the evidence you need that you can't keep doing what he's been doing. To answer the final question about this, would would Jacoby Brissett make a lot more sense for both sides this year? I mean. Um, yeah, I, would I like Jacoby to be the backup quarterback? I have no, I would have no problem with that. I do think the Browns are trying to now in the phase, the phase of pinching every penny possible, Andrew. So I think you're looking at Dorian doing it again. They drafted him. I actually did think before he got hurt at the end of the year, there were moments that, especially the Denver game that he had. Like, you know, you can see it. He can he can make some NFL throws. So I don't know. May, you, you guys could think I'm wrong. That's fine. Uh, I, I certainly understand the importance based on Watson's history here of needing 
maybe something more sound as a backup quarterback, but I really don't think they've put themselves in a position by paying him what they've paid him to do that. Uh, a big money backup, seven, eight, nine, ten million million for a backup quarterback. But um, there could be a different philosophy going on inside that building where they're looking at the history of Watson's injury stuff now and they're saying, well, we have no choice. So I guess that's possible too. One of the interesting things that Andrew Barry said in his postseason press conference was that he views backup quarterback as a top 30 position on the roster. So that would, to me, was a pretty definitive statement that he wasn't happy with the way that the backup quarterback situation unfolded this past year. And that is in line with something that was reported during the season that people didn't like hearing, which was that the decision to come to trade Josh Dobbs came from above Andrew Berry, from Paul DePodesta. And that was some speculation, I think, and maybe informed speculation from Charles Robinson. but. I think it's worth remembering that in this conversation, the Browns had Josh Dobbs lined up to be their backup quarterback and, and Dorian Thompson Robinson was going to be the third quarterback until they made that trade. Now, you know, I think the play of Josh Dobbs this year, the play of Josh Dobbs throughout his career, he's not the same caliber of backup as Jacoby Brissett, Joe Flacco, et cetera. But does the fact that of what, how 23 unfolded, inform how they handle that position in 24 I think you could make the argument that it does obviously we'll find out right Jake I mean I I, because your point is also totally valid they need to save money everywhere they can and you typically would say I think what we said last offseason it's that old Tom Moore quote you don't practice being effed right if you're back if your starting quarterback gets hurt you're screwed so you don't practice that but the Browns kind of disproved that aphorism this year. So given what this team can do with a backup quarterback, and, and especially with Stefanski's wizardry in that way, maybe it does make sense for them to invest in a, a $6 million a year backup. I don't know. The question I would have for you is this. You have, say, I don't know, you go out and you look at the market, you try to find a receiver available, and you find one at $10 million, right? 10, 11, 12. I don't know who that would be. Even right, like Hollywood Brown. Let's Maybe, say. perhaps. Yeah. Would I mean, you just, rather yeah. Would you rather redirect 8, 9 million to make 20 million for T. Higgins? Or right. would you rather have a better backup quarterback? Right. No, I, I mean, stuff that yeah. you're deciding. That's kind of the stuff that you're deciding. So it's to put it in context uh, anyway. Right. That's the question they're asking. One version of this is that you get more a healthy season out of Deshaun Watson. Maybe Dorian Thompson Robinson has to play a game or two. And that's a pretty good plan. That would be an okay season. If Watson could go 14, 16 games, something like that. And DTR makes one or two spot starts because Watson can't stop taking hits. That's an all right recipe overall. Uh, so they, they might try it. I'm not, I, I, I am waiting to see, I guess is, is the way that I'll say it. So, Unfortunately, um, that's the situation they're in because yeah. the quarterback that they pay a lot of money to can't avoid those situations. So, well, yeah, and that's that's the way, right way to put a ribbon on it is that they both are paying the quarterback a ton of money and can't count on him to play seventeen games. It's almost like adding ten more million to his salary. It's a great way to put it. It's a great way to put it. It's it's Watson insurance is what they have to buy. Sucks. It does suck. It's not great. I don't like it. Um, all right, so I did find the uh, NFL win loss record since two thousand. Okay. Uh, so obviously the Patriots are at the top. I don't think that's any surprise. They are 
This is prior to 23, so we don't have this most recent season in in tow. Uh, they are, uh, what, 27 wins ahead of the Steelers, who are number two. Packers are at three. Colts are at four, which is surprising to me. That's the yeah. that's the. I mean, I guess it's it includes many of the Manning years, so it shouldn't be surprising. Yeah, and then you get the Andrew Luck run too. So, yep. Yeah, and then the Ravens are five. So two teams in the top five. Correct. And where are the are, Bengals? The Bengals are mid pack. I think they're about twentieth. Really. And then, of course, unfortunately, the Browns are thirty second. They are six games behind the Lions, so they didn't catch the Lions this year. They're no, 15 games you. behind the Jaguars. So that's the Raiders are at 149. They're 24 games behind the. Should be 14. Those damn officials in Bottlegate. <laughs> Tell you what. Right. So, so overall, the Browns are definitely bringing up the rear here. But, but yeah, there's not another team that the, the next two teams that are in the same division, I guess is the way to say this, are this, the Chiefs and the Broncos at, uh, at, nine and 10. Yeah. So the Ravens and the Steelers, the AFC North, truly the class of the division. The, the, the AFC West is probably right there because the chargers are middle of the pack. They're ahead of the Bengals. So if you add those, I feel like the Bengals together, highs though, have been, they have been really they have good, been, but their lows have been pretty, they've been pretty, pretty low. low. So the right times too. So yeah, they, well, that's the thing is they've been much more of a yo-yo team. Mm-hmm. Good. That's why we, you know, research assistant in the background there giving us that. Appreciate <laughs> that's it. Me. That's me. There we go. All right, let's move on to the next question. Uh, turnovers were a big problem this year, but uh, hasn't really been brought up over the last couple of weeks as an area to improve on. I don't think, you know, people haven't really mentioned that in the press conferences, I believe the point here. Obviously, it's not something that's coached, but is there something that they could eliminate with just stability in the quarterback room? That's from Ann Man. Um, so, okay. Something that they could eliminate with just ability. I mean, yeah, I don't think Watson wasn't when Watson was playing, the turnover rate wasn't as high. I don't, I don't think that's crazy to say, right? You look at even Joe, the, 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 the spectacular throws from Joe were better. I don't think we can deny that, but the turnover rate with Watson was relatively low. So stability, if Watson plays, yeah, I mean, I, I do, I do think so, but again, here we are two seasons in he's missed gigantic portions of each year. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. I just, he, you know, they're going to obviously work on taking care of the football. It's always a point of emphasis. It never won't be, but to kind of answer that question bluntly. Yeah. I, I think that, that Watson playing more helps in that regard. Right. Yeah. He's, he's turnover prone at times, but he's not as turnover prone as PJ Walker or, Rookie yeah. Dorian Thompson Robinson making his first start on a day's notice against the Ravens, or a bunch of the weird scenarios the Browns were in. So, uh, yeah, you mentioned Flacco as well. So, yeah, it's it's there's a there's a path to improvement. I think running the ball better is also another piece that would help improve the turnover margin because hopefully you're able to not have to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it does ultimately all come back to some of this is luck. Right. And I think the the most recent study, the most convincing study found that turnovers were over 50 percent luck. So defensively, offensively, if you get a bunch of turnovers one year, you should expect that to even out the next year. That's not to say that it'll, you'll go from the 
most turnover prone team, which the Browns were to the least, but they should fall back to average. That's yeah. the way that this does work. I just, yeah, I just generally think if you play Watson 17 games, it's a far significant number fewer. Yeah. Right. He's not the NFL's best at taking um, those things out of play entirely. Right. But I mean, you're talking about, look at the data from, turnover data from those three quarterbacks. And then the, I think Driscoll even had two turnovers himself in the Bengals game near the end of the year. So yeah, it was, it was bad. No team has ever led the league in, or been worse than the league in turnover margin and made the playoffs, I, I believe. So the Browns broke a, a lot of ground in terms of overcoming adversary, uh, adversity this year. Yeah, right on. Okay. Uh, last question before we end uh, this show is, um, from Robert Pace, he says, haven't heard anyone mention this. Do you believe Bill isn't following his son to Tennessee because he wants to win that Super Bowl and we have a better chance than the Titans to do so? I don't know. I mean, maybe. I, I, I think I think the Browns have him under a pretty healthy contract. I mean, he's one of the highest paid assistant coaches in the NFL. Would the Titans be willing to do that? Would the Browns force like some sort of buyout there if they let him go? Never underestimate owners for being cheap and some of this stuff. So it could just be that Tennessee's ownership is like, we're not really willing to do that. It could, it could, it could be that simple. It could also be what you mentioned here, Robert, that he sees the Browns as a better, you know, Callahan's not young. He's got to be in his seventies, Andrew. Maybe you can research assistant on the dial. <laughs> can look this up. He's got to be in his seventies. So he probably doesn't view himself coaching that many more seasons. So 67 years old. Okay, so close. Sorry, Mr. Callahan, for giving you an additional three years there. So I just – all I'm saying is I could see it going both directions. He's getting at the end of his career. He would love to to coach with the son. Possible. He could also maybe – I don't know what the exact number of years on his contract is, Andrew. He might have just one more year where he says, I'm just going to coach the rest of my Browns contract and then go – then I'll go or something like that. We don't know until we know. We have heard nothing. I don't think I've seen – Tennessee hire an offensive line coach yet so until they do you're not really totally out of this predicament right so we'll see but again I'm I'm more encouraged than I was when he originally got hired and I thought that it was going to be like a matter of the next two days that Callahan was going to be reported to to be right. getting out of it, his Browns contract yeah, and it felt like a slam dunk I the other thing I think that's worth mentioning is that Brian Callahan doesn't have really any uh control in Tennessee, he ha- he doesn't have control over the roster. He doesn't have control. He might not have control over his staff. That's possible. Yeah. I maintain that he is a spot gap hire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They they've invested everything in that GM. So so the ownership has made a decision that the GM is the guy, and then the coach is almost incidental. And so, I mean, like what you said with the money thing, there's there's maybe two or three different reasons why it can't happen. Okay, listen, we're gonna wrap this one up um and put our, put ourselves with uh, we have some great like free agency draft questions uh for the other one so this is the end of part one of the mailbags uh, stop back a little bit later today and check out part two where we will like i said have a lot of other different topics that you know sort of point toward the immediate nfl offseason schedule uh, around those so uh hopefully you enjoyed this one thanks for stopping by making it a part of your day we appreciate you being here and rate and review the pod if you can as we say be well and go browns